The following podcast is a mass media production. Hi, I'm Josh Galindo. And I'm Crystal Galindo. Welcome to the Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will offer our experience and expertise in building real, lasting wealth through renovating and flipping homes. And the chaos that comes with balancing a family of six, leaving nothing unsaid. Follow our wild ride we call life and apply our lessons to your own journey. Okay, good morning. Welcome to Going Galindo Rugrats and Renovations podcast. Um, today's episode, uh, Josh was solo with his special guest. So, babe, did Jason just leave? You want to tell us what you guys talked about? Uh, yeah, Jason did just leave. And Jason and I, which would have had you cringing the whole time. Yeah, I'm glad I about... stepped out on that one. <laughs> That's why we had to have you out. <laughs> Jason would have felt ganged up on <laughs> Now, uh, we talked about the Burr model. So he's obviously a really big believer in it, and mm-hmm. obviously I am too. I just think that there should be a little twist on it, and I think him and I uh, talked about some really good points that I learned from him. Um, I hope he maybe learned from me, and at the very least, I think the listener got an abundance of information that they can choose which model to implement that best serves them and their families. So I loved the conversation. I lo- anytime I sit down with him, I love it because his points are valid and I know it, but I also want to build a real estate portfolio that works best for, for Josh and Crystal Galindo and all four of our kids. Yeah. And yeah. I get ridiculed all the time for it. It's kind of funny. I think you're doing a good job, but I can't <laughs> wait to listen. Yeah, it was cool. So let's take a second to hear from our sponsors and we'll get into your episode. Hey guys, if you're looking for some family fun, check out Circus Circus Hotel and Casino. At Circus Circus, there's something for everyone. Have a blast inside the Adventure Dome. It's a five-acre indoor theme park with 25 rides, including their newest thrill ride, Nebula Z. Or act like a kid again at the Midway, playing arcade games or enjoying their daily free circus acts. Looking for a special date night? Look no further than their award-winning restaurant called The Steakhouse. Voted Best Steakhouse in Las Vegas. And Circus Circus offers affordable room rates starting at $29 per night. Book your stay today at CircusCircus.com. Good morning, Jason. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Good. Good. So for those that aren't watching, um, today we have uh, in place of Crystal... Um, she would have been here, but she's like, what am I going to talk to you two guys about? Um, Jason Elman, and he is uh, someone that I find to be super successful. I like that he went and found a different type of real estate that like, not everybody in my immediate circle is using to build wealth. Um, I would argue that you're the only multifamily guy that I know um, that's, you know. Yeah, probably. I don't know, Do you know? too many people that have about the amount of units that I have that aren't like large companies, sure. essentially, like there's not too many individual investors. I feel like a lot of people are doing flips like you are. That yeah. kind of seems to be the easiest thing to get into or yeah. wholesaling yeah. and maybe a couple of rentals here and there. But uh, I'm, I'm largely in, uh, you know, the low income multifamily realm, which is don't uh, don't tell us how many yet. I'm very unique. <laughs> so so there you go. So that that he kind of rounded off my point there. A lot of the guys that are doing we're, we're either flipping or wholesaling or buying single family homes as rentals. So when I heard of Jason and kind of got his elevator pitch, 
Um, frankly, I was shocked. I was like, holy shit, dude, that's an incredible. So go ahead and uh, brag about yourself for a minute. It's important to do that because the listeners that don't know who you are need to know that you're the man and everything you're saying from this point on is worth listening to. So don't be bashful. Don't be humble. Hit us with everything. All right. So um, I really kind of got into real estate in, say, 2010 when obviously the market was a disaster. And I was looking around and I saw that you could buy houses for like $30,000, $40,000. And I thought, you can't usually buy land for $30,000 or $40,000. You, you certainly can't build a house for that much. Sure. So if you bought the house with the land right now, how could you lose? I mean, at some point, it has to come back. And I mean, the world seemed like it was on fire at that point in time, right? right? I remember. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you might have been on fire a little bit. I was on fire. <laughs> I was trying to put myself out. Forget trying to buy anything. Uh, so, so anyways, you know, I, I wanted to go to the real estate auction. So I bought my first property there. Really? Uh, yeah. And I was, A house? Uh, yeah, uh, it was a townhouse for, I think, $17,500. Oh, my gosh. No way. And I was so nervous. Uh, because I'm, I'm at the, if you don't know where the auction is, I mean, you obviously know, but, but people listening, it's literally in a parking lot. Like yeah. you, you think it's a sophisticated operation sure. and a nice ballroom. It's literally in a parking lot. <laughs> it wasn't until uh, 2016 that I got into multifamily. And it's, that was one of those, those moments where uh, I wish I would have, you know, you, you do this a lot in life. If I would have known this five years ago, sure. imagine where I could be, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, everybody. And, yeah, and that's how it was. So I, I get into this multifamily property, a fourplex that I get at auction. You know, we get a steal of a deal. I, I think we bought it for... Like hundred and seven thousand oh, dollars. Gosh, hundred and seven. Yeah, and uh, and we put probably sixty thousand, you know, maybe seventy into it, and ended up selling it for uh, I think four hundred thousand dollars just a couple of years ago. I mean, we held oh, it okay, for years, okay. but, but you earned a great return on it, and then you scored out at the end. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I was doing the Burr method, which is kind of what we're here to, to yeah, talk about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, So that's really kind of my first my first time doing the Burr method. Actually, was on that property, and that was at a time when I did not know what the Burr method was. I, I didn't know it existed. I, I was doing it without really knowing it. And then years later, I read, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what yeah, I'm doing. I've been doing that the whole time. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, anyway, so it's 2016, get into the multifamilies. And at that point in time, uh, you know, I only had two rentals. Uh, and I and that was 2016. Where else are you working at this time? So at the time, I've, let me let me interrupt first. You can, you, you speak well, so you'll just start rattling, but I want to slow you down just sure. a little bit. Uh, you know, you didn't just trip and fall, wake up, go to the auction, buy a house, trip and fall again, do it again, trip and fall again, end up with a fourplex that you can make $300,000 on plus a spectacular turn while you held it. So I just want to backtrack just a little bit because I think, I know for me, when I look at you, um, I think highly of you for many reasons. One, you're successful, but it's how you became successful. You didn't have a guy that said, do everything that I do and you'll be good, right? You kind of had to go out there and you had to figure out, you had trial and error, you had to take risk, you had to use your own money. You had to run into problems and figure out how to fix them. Um, so I think it's it's equally as important to talk about everything that you are, but uh, to tell everybody where you came from and uh, you know where you were working and um, you know side hustle. Like this is arguably a side hustle in the beginning for you, right? Oh yeah, it definitely was. Uh, I mean, my my full time job was working in nightclubs, and I, I did that for well over a decade. I I think I got started in I moved back to Vegas. I was born here, you know, grew up in Southern California. Moved back to Vegas two thousand six. Um, bought my, my first house in, in I think, 2007, which was <laughs> right arguably probably one of the worst times. <laughs> yeah, you know? I did too. <laughs> and and that's, that's kind of what I started looking in my neighborhood and seeing, you know, I paid, I think, 177 for my house, and I saw places going for like $50,000 in my oh, neighborhood. Wow. And I was like, well, how could you lose? Like, you know, and I just 
hung on to my house the whole time. But yeah, so I'm working in the nightclub industry, you know, basically. I, I started doing mortgages and that obviously, you know. Fizzled out after 2007. Fizzled out with the, uh, <laughs> you know, with the, with the market crashing. And then my, my buddy uh, from New York was like, hey, I used to bartend. Like, let's become bartenders. And I was like, uh, I'm not going to do a service industry job. You know, like I, I went to college for a little bit, but I didn't get a degree. And I just, you know, I felt like I, I had the mind to work in an office, you know, as a, a smart person. I love that you, you, you knew that about yourself. Yeah. I, not that that meant that you never went and got a service job, but you knew like that, that was my end game. Like sure. I'm going to use my brain to make money, not my body. And and then, so once I kind of got into the nightclub industry, I was like, you can make how much? <laughs> and then I, it, it just was, it was pure business at that point. I, I could put 30 hours a week in. And at the time I was a busser. So I was maybe making, you know, $50,000 a year, but for how easy it was uh, and how little time it took and how much free time you still had, you were only working four days a week at most. Sure. So I, I was like, I can take all this money and I can start investing it in real estate. And then as I got into better job position, I what started did you think about why did you pick real estate? Where did real estate come to you in your life? I think like um, were your parents in it? Did you have a friend in it? Did you just no, watch um, a late night <laughs> talk show that talked about real estate? Or I think I always had like um, I always had like a passion for for seeing a project and and like just kind of seeing how you can better something. And so growing up, we always did home improvement projects. We never invested in real estate, but you know, on the weekends, I think that most kids, they were watching football and playing video games. And uh, that sounded amazing to me because my weekends were like, we're getting up at seven tomorrow and we're gonna <laughs> going to fence in an acre here and you're going to be on the tractor and you're drinking, digging you know, post holes and we're building a three-tier waterfall. I mean, all these projects. So I, I was pretty handy just because I had learned all that stuff. And okay. I liked seeing you know, kind of taking, uh, we, we never had like super distressed properties, but just taking a, a normal property and, and improving it. Sure. And so that, that kind of was, was in my head, like, Hey, I, I could do that. You know? There was like, satisfaction in seeing it go from point A to point B uh, and knowing that you, you, you added that, that value or improved it. Something that I relate to on that. And I think this may be something that, that makes me enjoy flipping is I get some weird satisfaction out of ironing. <laughs> and I and I know it sounds funny. And here's why I think so is that you see like this super wrinkled shirt. I'm gonna bring my clothes over. <laughs> oh, dude, I iron all my buddy's stuff. Like if it's a wedding, I'm like the guy that hits everything. If it's for Crystal, I hit it. But when you slide that iron over and see the the result immediately, there's like so much satisfaction. And then I took that like experience that I was having, and I kind of like amplified it. And I think that's one of the reasons I loved flipping was because I got to rub that iron over that house and then see the after. And sure. then hearing you say that, uh, maybe it's something similar. I, I think it is. And, and also for me, and I'm, I'm probably for you, is, is maybe seeing that vision that a lot of people can't see. Cause yes. I buy a ton of very Do you have a photographic properties. memory? Uh, yeah. So you can walk in. I think that is so key to this space. you got to be able to walk into a space and you could just go boom, 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 boom. Build the whole thing in your brain, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and then whoever you're with is like, I just, I just don't see it. I just can't see it. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> and you're like, dude, I see all of it. I've left a property, and I come out with this huge grin on my face, and they're like, oh, my God, that property is terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? That pro- like, I'm putting an offer today. Like, we're buying this place. Right, like, <laughs> right. But, yeah, just a lot of people can't see that, and, and I think it's great, especially for those people to then show them when you're finished. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, here's that thing that you couldn't see. Take a look at this. Oh, yep. my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, how did you see that? I, I don't know. I just, I just do. I think it's a special gift. Yeah. There's not. I mean, there's a few. The, the successful ones, I always ask them that question, and most of them say yes. That's how they think mm-hmm. in pictures and, and with photographic memory. And I just never look at, at even you know people even you know uh, situations. I never look at what it is now. I, I look at what it could be. You sure. know, and that's for a house and a person, and and that's great for for making money in real estate. But it can also it can harm you and and people because the one thing I say like in a house, I can force that change. Right. Mm. With a person, you can't. 
you, you can see the potential in somebody, but you can't always extract that out yeah. of them. You know, they yeah. have to want that. They have Absolutely. to have that desire. Yeah. And I think that's what separates a lot of people like, you know, yourself for being successful and maybe other people that you knew that kind of grew up in the same type of background and they didn't achieve that level of su success because you wanted that. You, you know, you were going to force that change in yourself. Such a great statement right there. <laughs> well said. All right. So I got you off track and I, I jammed you all up. Let, let's fast forward here for just a moment. Um, how many units do you own today? So right now I own uh, 243 in total, 167 are 100% owned by myself. Hold on, 243 total Yeah. and 167 owned personally. Yeah, and the rest are 50-50s with investors. And so to kind of think about that, you know, here we are in 2021 and in 2016, so five years ago, I had two. That's incredible. You know, so when, when I hear you say like, I don't like the Burr method, uh, in my head, I'm like, I've made millions off of the Burr method. Like it's, it's what's catapulted me from two units to over 200. And so that's why I, I kind of want your listeners to hear kind of my story of, as to why I think it's good. And I actually do highly recommend it to investors and I highly recommend it to you. And I'd love to, to switch up your strategy a little bit with what you do. So here's what I want to make sure we make a point. This is the point of this podcast. As I came out, I said, I'm not a big fan of the Burr method, which I'm going to clarify with you. And I just did a uh, an interview with the Boakley brothers where they, it, it's clickbait. And that's what we sure. did is we came out and we did something that was going to catch everybody's attention. It got your attention. It caught their attention. <laughs> got me hyped. Right. <laughs> you know, and now people want to talk to me about it. So I'll, I just have a small twist to it. Um, but I won't, I won't, I won't spoil that yet, but that is the topic of today's conversation. Jason's a big believer in it. And for good reason, it served him very well. Um, he, like you said, he's made millions of dollars doing it. He's amassed an a, a incredible portfolio. 243 units is spectacular. Um, and then I'll just give you my perspective on it. So, um, but so, so you have 243 total rentals, 167 owned personally, and then you recently bought a huge building or, or yeah, project. So and of that 167, I bought a 111-unit apartment building this year, which is definitely my best buy ever. I, something I would have, honestly, even just two years ago, thought, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to have something like that. And what did you pay for that? I paid $6.7 million, and I actually went into contracts. Kind of stole that. Oh, it, it, I stole literally, it. by the time I closed, I could have sold it, and I think probably made a million dollars by doing nothing, not sure. touching it at all. So the, the reason I stole it is um, because it was coronavirus. It was just raging, right? Mm. And the market was so uncertain, and these people... Uh, they basically, they got the property, it was passed down to them, you know, their parents died, and they've never really been into real estate, we want to sell this, and then all of a sudden, oh my god, the market is potentially collapsing, you know, we've sure. got to get rid of this, right. and here I am, I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> and uh, it was it was actually a bidding war, you know, that, that it was like me and uh, like two other people, and uh, my offer, you know, kind of came through a little bit stronger. How'd got, you run across the deal? Because everybody's going to ask, because that's always the number one question. How do you find deals? How do you find deals? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, honestly, I get a lot of deals, uh, word of mouth, or just relationships with, you know, brokers. They know what I like, and I just kind of bug them, like, every few weeks. Hey, you got anything? You got anything? And that was the case Just with staying this. on the radar. Yeah, and that that's was the case That's actually a really this. good one. So you bought it, and then you're renovating units. Are you renovating every single one? I am, and there's tenants, so you know it's not like a, we can't just swoop through and do everything at once. But sure. I, honestly, I think we're we're maybe like 60, 65 units, you know, through. And you're going to go through every single one. Going through every one, and none were worth keeping, um, or just a higher rent makes I, more sense. Than... I could have, you know, some of them definitely they were in decent shape. We could have just rented them out, but I really try and get the premium rents. 
And so I feel for, for that, I actually feel, you know, you need to do the rehab, but honestly, more so than, than getting the rents, um, I see that the rehab gives you the most value when you go to sell that property. Oh, sure. Because when I go to yeah. list that and, and the, the owners look at it, and a lot of people kind of have like a, an emotional connection to real estate and, and they have to, you have to separate yourself. You're not living in this place. This isn't a house that you're buying to move into. So you don't have to. To like it but these owners you know they're like wow that place is amazing i'd live there mm -hmm. well you're not going to but if you're going to pay me more because you would live there <laughs> I'll, I, I'll create that visual I'll for take you it. yeah and so right. that's what i do is you know those people they don't have they, they don't have that visual imaging in their head of, of how it could be or, or you know and you can look at numbers all day but numbers don't look attractive on a piece of paper you know walking through the, the building and seeing the granite countertops and the beautiful floors and the two-tone paint you're like yeah 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 this is good and then you know, the numbers look good too but yeah this looks really nice yeah you're selling them on the emotional side of it as well yeah so i really feel like i honestly do the rehabs more for future buyers than i, I wouldn't argue with you if i was just focused on cash flow which is kind of the direction that i'm moving into i don't want to deal with all the construction mm -hmm. like if i want to deal with construction i would just stay in flipping which, I, of course, I'm going to. But, like, I just went out to a, a state and, I went, uh, and looked at a bunch of houses, and every single one of them needed to be redone. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys. It's not too late to be a sponsor of the show. If you're interested in getting your business in front of our listeners, please send us a direct message on our Going Galindo social channels. All right, cool. So let's go into the Burr model. So buy, rehab, rent, refi, and repeat. Yep. So uh, I will go into what caught your attention, which was uh, why I don't love the model. So the first thing that I said is it's, it's, it's clickbait. Clickbait means you'd say something that's contradictory to what the whole you know social media world is banging on right now. So something that I don't love about the Burr model, first and foremost is the way the first okay let me go let me back up as far as what the Burr model is and, and the history of real estate it is the arguably the only formula that exists in real estate if you really think about it you buy it of course you have to buy it you rehab it that's your add value however that looks add value mm -hmm. increase rents renovate it whatever it is uh, re-rent it to generate cash flow and then you pull out a reasonable amount of money and you just do it again so they've made this this very sexy statement, but the reality is 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, that was the model. It's just what it is. What I don't love and about how it's being sold today is these big social media gurus are going on their platforms and they are telling Mr. or Mrs. Smith, who don't have access to any of the resources that they do, to go and buy a house, fix it up. They don't even describe how to not over-improve it. But so first, my first issue is with buying it. Mm -hmm. The reason that you and I can love and embrace this model is we have the ability to buy discounted real estate. And I think that's huge. But nobody says that. Yeah, because if, if you're buying at market, I'm not going to say that the Burr method couldn't work for you, but it's going to work at a much, 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 much slower pace. Well, and then it opens you up for a tremendous amount of risk. It that's does. my beef with it is nobody goes buy at 75% market yeah. value, buy at 90% market value. They're just saying buy. Yeah, think, then uh, they say rehab it. Nobody says rehab it within reason. Make sure that you're not over-improved. You don't rehab it above its, its, its market value. They just say rehab it. Then rent it. Then you get to the refi part, and then they go pull out as much money as you possibly can. If you can get 90% or 100%, I've even heard some of these guys go on there and go, I pulled out 100%. Now, that's okay, if Jason bought a house for 300,000, that's worth 300,000, 
or project, whatever it is, but freezy math, worth 300000 He bought it for two. He put 50 into it. So he goes back to the bank and he pulls all of his cash out. Very logical. He's left 10%, you know, whatever the number is, left in the property. In the event there's a market correction of 10%, Jason is sitting pretty. It's the scenario that you're protected, which is everybody forgets about that side of real estate investing is capital preservation. If, if, if it's easy to look at the hill going up, but you get market corrections will wipe out any profit you, you've, you've thought you had coming your way like instantly. And, and I think you have to account for that in, um, in the way that you buy these. You have to. You have to consider that. You wouldn't go out there and tell people pay market value, no direction on how to improve it, and then pull out every single penny that you've got. That, it, not pull out every single penny. And actually, I'm going to ask you this question, Jason. I know I'm rattling a little bit here, and I want to give you an opportunity to jump in. Do you take out as much as you possibly can, or do you just get your money back? I try and take out as much as I possibly can, which most of the time is just getting my money back or leaving a very small amount behind. I mean, even on go. like a 36-unit apartment building, I, I think I maybe left like $40,000 behind, which is nothing on a property that big. That'd be like leaving $4 behind on a house. Sure. You know. Um, so what does that look like? So what, let, can we analyze that one for a moment? Sure. Okay, so what, what's it worth? What, what could the bank have to have given you an appraisal? What uh, was it worth? Rough numbers. Yeah, boy, uh, I want to say it came back at like... I don't know, 2.5 or 2.7. So let's call it two and a half. Well, that's going to make a big difference. It does, yeah. (laughs) Well, I know they gave me a loan at, I think, 70% of whatever it was. And I think my loan's like a little over $2 million. So maybe it was 2.5. I don't know. I'd have to. So so you have 30% left in there. Yeah. There you go. I, I think that's. I think. I think you would think that that's okay too. Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean, if but I could you're have also taken a multifamily. More, I mean, it's a different. But go ahead. Well, if I could have taken more, I would have. And actually, on a fourplex, I actually did do a ninety percent cash out refi, and we got way more out than we put into it. You know, and because of that, then we were able to buy another property, and it's about scaling. But so I do think I do agree with you that the the buying is important, and I would say you know buy at a discount. But I would say even if you don't, I think the most important thing is having the reserves to be able to ride out a downturn market because it's been going up for so oh. long that we we always think so somebody's got to add another R in there. Yeah, we, we and need I agree some with reserves you. in Jason, there. Jason, <laughs> that would be the, the that we're like the people that are like trying to teach people to do it the right way. Right. But when there's no talk of that, what happens if things get sideways? You've been you yeah. are you are you've got you've you've been talking about how the market can't and I I agree with you. I mean, how's this it's just going to go up for the rest of our lives? It's insane. It's, it feels like it did, you know, in 2005, 2006 or ever literally and this is the same thing you're talking about burn method now but back then it was just buy, buy 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 right. buy. Right. It doesn't matter. It's going to keep going up. You're just going to make money. Buy five houses if you can. Yeah. You know, uh, don't put any money down. Yeah. Um, but I, I do agree with you, but one thing I will say though is if you can sustain a down market, which is really your ability to to cash flow or have cash reserves or if mm-hmm. you have another job, you know, that can subsidize. If you look at real estate, it's much like the stock market. Even if you buy at a bad time, it will come back. So this method could still work as long as you can sustain the downward time. It, it can drop 30% and you could buy at market today and it dropped 30% and you'll still be okay as long as you can ride that out. And a perfect example is my house that I said I bought in 2007. Mm-hmm. You know, I was way upside down. Sure. You know? And so a lot of people just, you know, gave it back to the bank and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's that not the right thing to too. do. Yeah. I don't want to ruin my credit, you know, the but, credit part was why that was the smart yeah. thing to do. And, and <laughs> so, um, I lived in it for a while and then I rented it out and I was honestly, you know, I'd maybe make a hundred dollars on a good month and then oh, a plumbing thing broke and it cost a thousand dollars and there went my year's profit. Right. But I had the cash flow, you know, from my other job, my other investments to, to ride that out. And, and the reason I bring that up is I was, you know, like I said, 
I bought it for 177, you know, say maybe I put 20,000 into it and then places were selling 50,000, I was way way under underwater, right? But I sold that house for two, you know, two years ago for like a 20 or $30,000 profit. Mm. You know, so my point is if you can ride out the storm, you will always be fine. You could buy today. Let's say today's the peak. Today is the peak. Tomorrow the real estate's going down. I could buy all the real estate I want today and I will still be fine in 10 years, most likely, maybe even less. And and so that's the thing. That's why, you know, you can... Now, how do you get through the 10 years? So that's, that's where one, you got to... Because here's what I think. Uh, let me just throw this in: is sure. is is if the market totally corrects, mm-hmm. and your 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 ability to produce general income gets wiped off the planet mm-hmm. because now people aren't buying and selling real estate, mm-hmm. um, everything's stagnant. So so how do you how does Jason protect himself? I'm sure you're a smart dude, so I know you're doing it. Do you leave a set amount of cash in the bank? Do you know you have X Y Z properties you can pull from if shit gets real bad, even if it's worst case scenario? But if, if the market stops right now, that means that Galindo Group Real Estate will stop generating transaction fees. So then that source of income will immediately leave my life. I won't be able to – now, we're a little bit unique, so it's tough to really use us as examples. Mm-hmm. But the general person out there is probably going to get laid off or um, if they are just a traditional real estate agent that uses their traditional income to buy the next property or to you know, survive – that person's who needs this advice. Because mm-hmm. uh, you and I will capitalize on a bad market. And oh, not yeah. everybody has that opportunity or the skill that we have to, to, to and, go and find that opportunity. In a way, I'm rooting for it to happen, you know. Sooner yeah, or me later. too, brother. I did fast forward my retirement like instantly. <laughs> I mean, you can always sell a kidney if you need some extra cash to float through. And there's, you know, OnlyFans, uh, which we've seen, you know. So there, there's ways to make money. You just got to be creative. Jason Elman, OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, uh, link, link is provided. Uh, no, but uh, no, it's a good point. You know, how are you going to survive? And I, I think that you need to separate things, though, because you're, you're saying essentially the economy and the real estate market is going to collapse together, which is what we saw in 2008. That's not always the case. And if you look back historically, you know, the stock market will drop and real estate's just fine or real estate's going down and the stock market's going to record levels. Right. Interesting. So I've, I've always linked the two. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of doing the, the perfect storm, which is what we just most recently saw. So it's most, you know, most recently in our memories. But. Um, you know, and I guess you should think of what if that were to happen, but realistically, probably uh, I would say what will kill the real estate market this time is going to be interest rates, separate those two. And okay. you probably will still have your job, but maybe you don't. Right. So you, you do, you know, you do need to have savings. And you asked about me, uh, you know, I, I know I've sent you screenshots of my bank account. <laughs> and, and after I asked that question, I was like, never mind. He's not going to want to answer that. <laughs> I, I, I literally, you know, I'm the type of guy that's literally putting every dollar into the real estate because I, I look at, you know, what that dollar is going to make me back. And I, I literally wake up some mornings, uh, and, and this is very stressful. I'll have negative in, in an account. It'll be like negative $3,000. The bank hates Jason. <laughs> They're like, Jason's back. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, let me go on that kidney auction website. Uh, no, but like I, I'll transfer money from another account or whatever, which those are low too, you know? So I, I honestly, I'm, I guess you'd say very leveraged and I would not recommend this to like anybody else. It's so stressful and most people couldn't make miracles happen like I do, but I feel like I'm in a position. See, I think that's important to acknowledge what you as Jason are capable of. Look at what you've already created. It just shows that you're a naturally powerful person and then you're able to sustain this level of stress and still function on a daily basis. So now if you go on social media and start blasting out to everybody how Jason did it, Mr. and Mrs. Smith may go give it a whack and they get their, their balls kicked off, you know, kicked yeah. in. I mean, and I hate that. And, you know, there's a lot of clickbait, like you said. And I mean, this is the true, true for almost anything. You could argue the same for flipping. You know, people say, oh, like flip, you know, like I make $20,000 a house. And if you buy the house at a wrong price or you, you put the wrong amount in or the market isn't what you thought it was, 
you're going to lose money. If you go buy a hair salon and you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lose money. So I really think in mm, any business, like you really have to know what you're doing. And you and I don't think anyone's saying, and if they are, they definitely shouldn't, that real estate is easy and anyone yeah. can do it. I'm not saying anyone couldn't, but you need to know what you're doing. Just like anyone could anyone could have created Apple, you know, if we had the, the mind for it, you know, and, and the intellect. And, and so you just have to really know what you are and aren't capable of and what you have and haven't researched. And I think the most important thing is who you're, you're learning from. You know, I didn't really learn from anybody. I just learned from trial and error. But arguably, yeah. arguably I, I did that at a time when the market was so low. Even if I was so blatantly wrong, I would have been right in the end. And same with, like, stock market. If you would have bought stocks in March of last year, you, had to, you didn't have to know anything about stocks. You could have just bought anything. You'd just be like, oh, I, I like the, the yeah. name sounds right. nice, or I like the symbol on that. <laughs> like quadruple your you money. Know, and yeah, right. you, you would have doubled or tripled your money and, and you know, been, been an idiot, but you made money. And, and so I think that's really important that, you know, for people to realize that you do have to know what you're doing. Just like any investment, any business you're starting, you have to know what you're doing. And don't just listen to one person who made it sound really good and hyped. And you also got to think, what do they stand to gain from this? You know, am I paying them money? To, to give me this advice, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think you, it's like a doctor, if you know, and obviously this hits home with you, you know, when you find out a, about, you know, a problem that you have with your health, you don't just go to one doctor and say, yeah. that's great, right. I'll do that. Like, yeah. You're going to go talk to two or three or maybe five or six people to get their opinion. And then you kind of put it all together and be like, you know, the average of what everyone was saying is this, you know, and I think that's what you got to do is not just find one hype man and be like, oh yeah, a hundred percent. Here's all my, my right. life savings. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> right. No, that message right there for me. I was actually listening to you obviously speak, but I was listening to it through the lens of like a listener in their car right now. And I would actually encourage you to rewind that because I think that is the pure moral message that does, isn't motivated by selling a book, isn't motivated by selling a tape or a course that the people that want to get into this game should hear. Just get educated on it and learn what, about it. What Don't, you just said with, with courses is I've actually seen a lot of people that were very successful flippers like you are in real estate and, and they're making a ton of money. They're making millions of dollars and they start selling courses and they're making multiple times more money <laughs> selling courses than they are actually doing real estate anymore. And sure. it's, it's crazy the amount of money that's in education. And yeah, that's why, it, you know, that's why these people have a lot of financial incentive to maybe overinflate the potential or, you know, kind of coach you into something that maybe isn't good for you, but they're like, well, it's good for me. And if you, if you do your homework and you criticize them and the other person is, is delivering the information with, you know, real true value to make sure that you don't get hurt, then, you know, good for you. And I hope that it works. Because what I don't want to do with this message is I don't want to discourage anybody from trying. Right. Um, I just think what Jason and I are saying is, is just do all of it um, slowly, intelligently, and with as much research and get educated and, 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 and then jump in. So, but so here's my, my next argument on the Burr model that I, that I'd love to actually hear your, your point. But I think he kind of already answered it. So um, let's just say that we use your old house, right? You were into it for one seventy. Let's say that the mortgage payment on that is, well, throw it at me. You probably remember the fuck out of that mortgage. Oh uh, no, I, I really <laughs> don't. Honestly. After all those years, you owned it. You know, I did do. What do I call it? A thousand bucks. Sure. All right. So a thousand dollars, right? So now Jason's into that for a thousand dollars because his mortgage balance was roughly one seventy. I'm just throwing it out there. Okay, market correction takes place. I don't think this will happen again. It would be nice if it did because we'd be able to buy everything in town. But that is why I don't think it will happen again because before it goes to the bottom, you will have owned 20, I'll have owned 20, and then the other 50 other people in this world will. Right. So I think they'll stop the, the market from crashing. Anyway, so let's just say that the neighbor sells for 50 grand. The amount of money that he has to earn to justify his investment, 50000 let's call it 
$700 a month. Okay. And that's an, ex that's a, that's a spectacular return. This is an extreme example. You know, if we, if we did like a normal example of the market going down, you know, 10, Let's 20, use a 30 percent. I just wanted to use something that related with you. Because yeah. actually, when I do this, I, I use a normal scenario. Yeah, like, like, okay, let's, say, go, like let's say it's a $300,000 house. I was going to say $300,000 yeah. house. Even better. All right. Okay. So $300,000 house, right? Market goes down 20%. 20% of $300,000. Actually, I know this one even better. Is $240,000. $240,000. The payment on the $300,000 house, we're going to call it $1350 for easy math. Okay? The market goes down to $240. All right? $240. The next investor comes and buys that house at $240. Let's say that he's a aggressive investor and doesn't like to put a lot of money down, but he puts down 10%. He's now into this house for $225. His mortgage on that house is let's call it 850. So for him to to return the return that he needs to on his down payment, he only has to rent the house out for let's just call it 1100. Okay? So you were the rents in the area before all this stuff took place, so start back over, were were 1400, let's call it $1500 a month. So the $300,000 house has been sitting back collecting $150 a month, living good, right? All of a sudden, the neighbor pops up and buys this thing for $240, puts it down. He's in, you understand all that math. So he puts his house up for rent at, you know, let's call it $1,000 because that's all he needs to ask in order to earn a return on his money. Now, your neighbor gets wind of this or your tenant gets wind of this and calls you and goes, hey, I'm paying fifteen hundred. The neighbor just listed for a thousand. I want my rent to go down, and then before you know it, you're going backwards one hundred and fifty dollars. Now, if you um, if you are the guys that I hear about out there that have, you know, four hundred <laughs> rentals, one hundred and fifty dollars times four hundred is an astronomical number. It's bank sure. it's bankruptcy worthy. I mean, you better have some insane reserves to be able to com maintain that. Yeah, I mean, and if you have four hundred, and that's very model, mo that's very modest scenario. Twenty percent isn't crazy. I watched it happen in two thousand nineteen. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think, I, I think one where you're you're not calculating it is is interest rate change, right? I mean, three percent right now. Like, I would say it, it would be not unheard of for them to go up a whole percent or even two. I mean, if you look Agreed. at the last crash, I think it was like six and a half percent was was crazy. So as prices go down, if their interest rates going up, their payment isn't, it's going to drop, but not as much. Like let's say in a scenario of uh, if, if it goes down 20%, I bet their payment only goes down maybe 15%. You know, so I'm just saying, like that, that was good. That the, the I didn't even consider yeah, that. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. And, that, and that's the thing. This 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 debate or whatever you want to call it was really just an educational thing for either me, you, or the listener. Sure. Whoever wins wins. But that was actually a really good point. Because well, interest rates got to go up for the price to go down. Yeah, hundred. Otherwise, the prices would just stay where they're at. Yep. And then the cost of borrowing goes up. So this guy's scenario of a, a, a reduced payment doesn't necessarily translate. Because yeah, like I'd say his is maybe going to be eleven fifty or twelve. You know, so like it's it's going to go down. It's going to be less than yours, but not as less. As, it's not, it's not apples to apples. You know, other things are going to change. It's going to cause the price to go down. So that's one thing you got to think of. And I think the most important thing is a misunderstanding, which I, I feel that you have, or at least I feel that you have, <laughs> is uh, with the berm model and actually with, with rentals. So I feel like you're, you're buying rentals for cash flow. Like you're looking at the cash flow and how I could live off of that. And I don't think that's what the berm model is. I don't think that's what rentals are about. They're not about cash flow. They're about about appreciation and equity. That's where the real money is. Like, if you look at it... Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Of course you're right. But that's not, that's not what I'm doing. 
But that's because I want to own. But see, that's why I would argue with you if you would do that. If you would do the Burr model, okay, you would have millions, millions more. But what do I do with that money? I it's all what I brag about it at the next party you, I go to. You buy more houses and then you keep getting more and more millions. But but th- that millions, I don't think you're wrong. But it's on the balance sheet. It doesn't show up in the form of being able to go to Starbucks and buy a coffee. Well, see, that's why you trade up. You know, when I do the Burr method, I, I'm not buying these these places and keeping them for ten years. You know, I'm buying them. I'm keeping them for if you keep them over a year, then obviously you get tax savings, right? Yep. So pretty much everything I keep over a year. Yeah. Um, and then I'm keeping them for one, two, three years, and then I'm buying something bigger, okay. right? Or more. So like, let's say you have your three hundred thousand dollar house, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you you get the profit on that, and now you buy two three hundred thousand dollar houses. You know, and then a year or two later, then you buy four. You know, and that's that's what the whole Burr method is, is it's about scaling up your real estate portfolio. And in doing that, you are going to generate more cash flow, which is what you like. But most importantly, getting rentals is not about cash flow. It's not at all. And if you look at the numbers, you'll see that. But are you saying that like there's a different strategy behind buying rentals that doesn't isn't focused on cash flow and there is a strategy about buying rentals that kind of talks uh, right, about so cash flow cuz hearing you say buying rentals isn't about cash flow it, I don't know how that I mean I I get it cuz then you're just saying I'm buying just to take advantage of appreciation and assuming that that's always going to be there um so you have to be knowledgeable to cash flow because obviously if you're having negative cash flow you know there's how are you going to stay afloat right but it's like Let's say I'm going to go on a date, right? I ask a girl, hey, can, can we go to are dinner? Are you explaining the I buy rentals not for cash flow yes. analogy? Okay. okay. Right. So <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm following because i got to get this one. Okay. So if, if I'm going to take a girl on a date and I go, uh, hey, do you want to go out for dinner and drinks? And she goes, sure. Right? Am I really just asking her out for dinner and drinks? Like I, I mean, not you, but yeah. You know, I'm no. hoping for like the bonus, right? Sure. Like the dinner okay. and drinks, I'm enjoying the company, I'm enjoying yes. the food, yes. but I'm hoping for the bonus got later, it. right? That's how the bird method is with real estate. You know, the, the dinner and drinks is the rental income, right? So, yes, do I want rental income? Yeah, I want the rental income. But what I really want is the bonus. And the bonus is the appreciation value of the real estate. And that's where all the money is to be made. And if you look at it, let's just say your $300,000 house. Let's say you have a mortgage on it. How much are you going to cash flow a month, do you think? I don't know, 200, 300, yeah, 400? Nothing. Right? So 200 bucks. Let's say 200, right? So that's $2,400 a year. Yep. Let's just say in. I'll, I'll write you down here. Okay. Yeah. 2400 bucks. Okay. okay. So $2,400 a year you're going to make. That's your profit, right? Yeah. So now the house, let's say in two years, like, I don't know, 5% appreciation is normal. I mean, shoot, we probably got like 10% last year at least, right? But oh, like 18%. Or last year or this year? This year, I think it's like 18%. So let's just say like we'll, we'll do whatever. it kind of normal, yeah. and then we'll kind yeah. of we'll expand on that. So let's just say it's 5% a year mm-hmm. is appreciation, which is something that's pretty easy to expect. And so in a two-year period, it's gone up 10%, right? Okay. Five and five. So now you've made $30,000 in equity. So we have two $2,400 because we're, we're using two, two years, years here, mm-hmm. and then we have thirty k in equity. Okay. So you just made $30,000 more. Like, l- l- subtract, you know. Subtract that's, what? That's $5,000. If you're just after, looking after the rent, you only made $5,000 in rent. But in your equity, you made $30,000. That's right. why you want to scale this model because you, what you're doing is you're not scaling. You're, you're buying cash for properties, right? And Sli- I've slightly shifted lately, but 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 my to, argument, your argument be, yes. Like let's just say let's just to use Josh a year ago, where you and I would have yeah. heavy debates over cash, 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 yeah. cash. Because arguably you did peel that layer back in my mind, and I'm still working on it. And made you're me... like an onion. There's a lot more layers <laughs> I got to get through. No, I mean, you should take some credit for that because you really did get my my wheels turning. But um, okay, but I, I, so I'm not... so my point is like let's say you have 30 rentals or so, right? We'll just call it 30. Okay. Right? Yeah. So let's just say if you would have been doing the Burr method, you'd have 90 rentals instead, which I don't think is is 
I, I think you could honestly have more than 90 because I think you could too. You know, so let's let's just say you have 100 just for easy math sake, okay. right? So in the last year, just in the last year, how what would you say? You said it went up 18. Oh, it would have been insane. So, but that's what I'm saying is your. But then what do I do with it? Sell everything and go buy it again? You you can. That's that's my yeah. argument. So I, and I want you to educate me here because I because I'm, I'm missing. I, I, the I, answer is yes. Okay, so so let's say I have a hundred homes. They all go up thirty thousand dollars. What is that? Three million bucks or something? Yeah, and it would have been more than yeah, thirty because that was three million. Five, you know, that was that was a ten percent. You know, it would have even been more than that. And you would have you've had some of these rentals for years, I'm sure. So oh, yeah. if you look, you know, maybe you had them in 2015, 2016, How much have they gone up? And and if you go back to that year and think I could have had double. Let's just say you only had ten back then. Okay. I could have instead of ten, I could have had twenty. How much has that appreciated in the last five years? You know, hundred percent. Yeah, no, you, 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 my argument back to, because I've never sat here and go and said, and, and call me out if I'm wrong in saying this, and looked back at you and said, Jason, everything you're saying has no logic and no, no sense. I've always <laughs> kind of responded with, for me personally, I what I can't have happen, because I have four kids and a wife, and I'm the only source of income for my entire sure. family, is that a correction comes, and I've got 90 rentals, and now I'm going backwards $150 on 90 but my, like and my argument toast. on that would be, uh, I understand what you're saying, and obviously that makes sense, but my argument would be if you would have been doing the Burr method the entire time, you would, would you, you literally said, what would I do with all the money, right? You literally would have millions of dollars more that you could have in the so bank. So you, be you would have been saying, like, every year you reanalyze and you sell 15, 20 of the homes, you make a bunch of money, and you go buy more? Mm-hmm. Because all that you're after is that equity. The the cash flow isn't really what you're after. It's what you think you're it's, after it's, first. I know it's what I'm after. But but it should I'm be. a million percent sure. <laughs> but but here's the thing, if that is what you're after, you would have more cash flow if you would have been using the Burr method because you'd have a hundred houses now. And you have a hundred headaches. But so a hundred houses at two hundred dollars a house is twenty thousand dollars a month. If I have twenty homes that paid for cash, I'm making twenty thousand a month. But the only thing I'm missing out is on the appreciation. It's millions of dollars in appreciation. you're saying the only like it's it's a small like oh, the only thing I'm missing yeah, out is the millions think, of dollars more I could have no, made. No, I think that, that I think there's a I think that's being oversimplified, frankly. I think saying uh, you know, you you could tap into that. That there's a lot that and that's my argument is is let's go through that, okay? So let's say there's a hundred grand in a house and you're mm-hmm. talking about capitalizing on this appreciation. Well, first of all, the cost to get out of a single family home is is astronomical. For me to go to tap into this hundred grand, which is what you're saying is going to happen, mm-hmm. I have to kick the tenant out. So now I got to pay three months worth of rent. So that's three thousand dollars. I got to put fifteen thousand dollars into it because these hypothetical numbers of appreciation are all based on the highest comp in the neighborhood, which was a likely vacant home that was renovated. Well, so I it's would... never the home that has a tenant in it that's been kicking its ass for the last five years. You're basing all of this off of the highest comp in the neighborhood. And but but there's some reason there too because it, obviously buying it for hundreds worth three hundred you call it two hundred and we, we have the same. I, I mean, argument. in theory, if if you rehabbed it before, which is what I do with my properties, and then you rent it, like in in a two year period, a three year period, the the design isn't going to change drastically, no. right? So my argument would be, you buy the house, okay. you rehab it, which is what you do for your flips, and instead of selling it, you you should rent it and then refinance it, and then in a year or two. You sell it, and you can actually still have the tenant in there. Their lease is up; they're a month to month. So all you need is thirty day notice to get them out. You can literally list it for sale. Hey, there's no uh, there's no showings until an accepted offer, or um, you know maybe once a week we're we're allowed to do showings from two to four on Saturday. It's not ideal, but it saves you that three months in in losing. So on there's the a way to, there's a way to strategize that. But in my opinion, what I know from buying flips this year, I think we got fifty seven flips just from the MLS. Mm-hmm. I think that's the accurate number. That's how many we bought just from the MLS. 
I would argue 20 of them were tenant occupied mm -hmm. because it's such a black eye to the consumer that that property never catches top dollar ever. Sure. So I think the value comes from kicking them out, sprucing it up. Mm -hmm. If you're truly stretching for the top dollar, mm -hmm. let's just play gonna, that. You're not going to have a lot of sprucing though if you did that originally. No, yeah, a little touch up paint, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some I of mean, these people you probably know better than I do because <laughs> you you you're you're an expert in that field. And I don't want to I don't want to speak out of turn. But I'm, I, as you're telling me this, I'm like visualizing five or six homes that I renovated because they were so bad I had to renovate them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just curious, like, I wonder what condition they're in now. But um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that what you're describing is the case. But let's just talk about this, and I'd love to see you poke a bunch of holes in it. $100,000, right, is what's in the property. Okay. $3,000. And this is this is light. And you know that's light because there's other, all the other fees. That's lost income. But then there's expenses to just keeping the property. Mm -hmm. So $15,000 to spruce it up. Okay. Then you sell it. Let's say that it's a three hundred thousand. That's probably pretty much what all my rentals are worth now. Three hundred thousand, roughly. Probably some are probably more than that. But anyway, um, so let's call it that. Nine thousand dollar commission to get out. Okay. And that's assuming three percent. That's a little strong. Let's call it three thousand dollars in BS fees with the title company transfer tax, owner's title policy, all the above. Okay. So you're at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, thirty-one, thirty. You're at thirty thousand dollars. To get out, so you've tapped into the seventy thousand, and then seventy thousand gets taxed at fifteen percent, and that's assuming you're in the lower tax bracket. So you and I, I'm giving everybody the best case scenario here, in my mm -hmm. opinion. I don't think I'd get through the house for fifteen. Well, I think I'd spend more than three. I think I'd spend more than nine. So I'm yeah. giving you the best case scenario on all fronts. Mm -hmm. uh, so now you was that fifteen tens fourteen thousand, um, ten percent would be uh, ten percent seven. It's like ten thousand dollars. So you really only tapped into sixty grand, which buys you another house. So that's the whole point of the Burr, Burr model. Because let's but, but, say you got your sixty; that was your original down payment, right? So you got that back. Uh, I, I'm gonna do it for cash. Yeah. So for you, so you're gonna have even more, right? But so that's that's where I'd argue if you were doing the Burr method, which is what I would say you should be doing. Let's just say you put sixty thousand dollars down, so you're getting that sixty, and then you just got that sixty k profit. Now you can go buy two houses at three hundred thousand dollars and get two. I don't disagree. And like I said, it's not the cash flow that you're really after. You want to make sure the cash flow is good so that you don't, you know, go bankrupt and go out of business. But really, what you're after is the equity, and that's how that's how I went from, you know, I had three hundred thousand dollars five years ago to, to I, millions now, is because I, I I did that, and you've been obviously insanely successful as well. But I'm telling you, if you would have done the Burr, Burr model, and still probably if you would do it, you would have millions more. You'd be so much more successful. So let's talk about this because I'm, I'm trying to find arguments everywhere as you're rounding this <laughs> up. Because, again, I don't think you're wrong if I had have implemented that. I just don't know if it was right for me and my family. One, I got my – I think I'm the only guy in our circle of, 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 of our extended reach that witnessed 2007 – Personally, like yeah. I, I didn't it, have a second really job. Did. Like sure. I was like a real estate professional. You, you, in you were all in. I was all in. I got my ball. <laughs> I watched the biggest hitters I'd ever seen in my life. Guys that were throwing money around that would make the richest guy that we know today look 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 weak. Like I, I overheard him on speaker because we were we shared an office. He's in his bed and his buddies called him because the wife called his buddies and said you need to talk this guy off the ledge. And I overheard him in his bed going, it's happening so fast. I'm, I'm, I, mm -hmm. I can't stop anything. I can't. I, I, everything's just coming so fast. And he wouldn't get out of his bed. He was so fucked up mentally. Mm -hmm. And then if you read the newspaper at that time, there was the, some big boys that we had seen their name on buildings. They're jumping off their fucking balconies. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were like, like, people didn't see that. I did. Sure. <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's where I'm scarred, and that's okay. And, and the fact that you didn't have to witness that has been a blessing for you because you don't have to always constantly be worrying about the world falling down. 
Um, and it's it's been good to you to, to not have to live in fear, which is arguably what I'm doing, but I have to protect myself because I never want to go back to that place again. I told myself I'd never go back to that place. Sure. And I've built my life around never, never having to, be able to ever have to go back to that place. And recently, I think my model, you've heard of stress tests with the banks. Mm-hmm. My model had a full-blown stress test mm-hmm. last year, and it survived. Well, yeah, I mean, you have no stress if you have everything in cash. I mean, what's the stress? Well, that you but can I say? have a few mortgages, and, I, and I'm buying other stuff. And you know, I'm buying this building, yeah, right? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm taking on a two and a half million dollar loan here. I had to come up with a million dollars. So that's why I respected your 1.8 million <laughs> grab so so much because that was fucking cool to hear you say that because I know how hard it was for me to go find a million bucks. Oh, it wouldn't have been hard at all. You just refinance your property that you have in cash. <laughs> well, some in, of it. In 30 days, you I had all the money actually needed. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> well, that, that, that just offsets. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do... I, I, I'll be honest. I took half from my existing assets mm-hmm. and I saved the other half mm-hmm. because what I didn't want to do is, is buy this building and then not really have any real cash flow because I used the money... I borrowed the money for the down payment, which came with a new debt obligation. So mm-hmm. now the cash flow from the building just got eaten up. And then what was the point of buying the building? Although there's a for whole the other appreciation. <laughs> that's that's where the real money is in real estate is the appreciation. <laughs> and what I love about it, like you obviously flip but a see, lot. I just want cash flow. Why do we want? Because that's all work. I, I think what we should want is money at the end of the day, right? No, I just want. I want. It. I want fresh babies every day, every month. <laughs> I want brand new. Is that why you have four kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could keep going forever. But um, so, and no, I mean, you're not wrong. But personally speaking, I want. I want fifty, seventy, eighty, hundred thousand a month in cash flow. And if I'm worth zero, I don't give a fuck. If I'm worth a billion dollars, I don't give a shit. As long as I'm getting 100 grand a month. I would argue, though, that your cash flow today would be stronger than it is now if you would have done the Burr method five years ago. So if you want cash flow ultimately, I think that your cash flow would be stronger. And that's how my cash flow gets stronger is because of because I get all this equity or this forced appreciation that comes through the market, I'm able to buy more and more units. And let's just say if I make, you know, my goal is to make 200 to $400 a month per unit, per mm-hmm. door, right, with my loans, you know, after the loans. Sure. So I went from two units to, you know, the 243 so you can do the math on that. My cash flow has gone up multiples by doing the Burr method. So you're saying you're, you're, I think what you're doing is you're focusing so much on just the cash flow that you're missing the bigger picture and realizing if you did the Burr method, you would get that cash flow that you want and you would have so much more equity and you actually would probably arguably be in a better position financially for a downturn market because you would have, you would have more in the bank. Yeah. And I've, and I've, see, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to take what you're saying and applying it to my actions today, because mm-hmm. I don't wake up and like you know read the Burr model and then and then <laughs> do the Burr model every day, you know. But I th- I think subconsciously, it, I'm beginning to embrace it. But I'm also embracing it, and this is all personal on a personal level, sure. because I have such a safety net now. I would mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done that in the beginning. It's just we were just in a different place, and and mm-hmm. and you have been rewarded for it, and I my hat goes off to you for that. Um, but when I look back, I go, okay, I've got, I got 30 properties that I can, 30 vaults that mm-hmm. I can open up, and now I can start. And I don't think anybody should go 30 now that I understand debt a little bit better. I think maybe buy 10 with 50% down or, or and you're going to tell me I'm crazy not to give that advice. But, but at I would least, say at least you're that, doing 50% instead of nothing. <laughs> well, I think it should be a little bit more conservative, and, and I do believe that you should take on debt. So... Um, but I would say just be conservative in the first initial building phases so that if the whole empire caves in, you've got some equity or cash somewhere that you could tap into. 
if, if you're leveraging, that's the other thing. I would even ask Jason, and I'd ask you this, is how much of your um, net worth and ability to go and buy more was all based on market appreciation? A lot of it, for a lot sure, of it. was. Yeah. So what happens now? You think the market's going to go down 100 percent in the next five years? <laughs> well, I think I'm sorry, 300 for 200 percent. No, I, I think a big. So thing now is, might be uh, the time to start really thinking about cash flow and not over leveraging yourself. Right, but like I said, the cash flow is there. It's 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 there. Like if but you focus, you, you're because you're built into that. Yeah. Let's talk about the guy starting today. Right. So the person starting today, though, I feel like you do have to focus on being able to meet your obligations, you know, I would say maybe think if the market goes down 20 or 30%, if rents go down 20 or 30% from what they are now, would I be able to make this payment, you know? There you go. And, and I think that's all you have to do, because like I said, even if real estate goes down 30%, 40%, it goes down 50%, it will come back, and it'll come back for more. And you just have to ride out that storm. Yep. So you just need to make sure that you you can ride out that storm. So you do have to think about cash flow a little bit, but that's not the ultimate goal. But it will come. It'll come as like a, a, a side, you know, if you just focus on that, that appreciation. Um, what I am going to tell you is that I'm sure tonight I'm going to be tossed in turn and reanalyzing this whole conversation because I'm trying to stay conscious and, and in the moment to keep the, the vibe going instead of sitting here and analyzing. But in a, in a, I, I'd love to, to chat with you again about the appreciation thing and see it once I have time to analyze I, I it. I feel if we sat it. down and, and just loosely you know, looked at your last five years and stuff that you bought and, and more stuff you could have bought and the appreciation that would have. I truly think if we sat down and did very rough numbers. <laughs> I'd jump that, off like, a bridge. Yeah, at the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take out some life insurance on you before we have that conversation <laughs> right. just in case but <laughs> all right we all know adulting is hard you know what shouldn't be hard buying a house robert coomer has helped us and our friends buy and refinance houses for the past 15 years every time we work with him we know we're getting the best service possible and that the person on the other end of that phone call has a smile on their face and that leaves a smile on ours call robert coomer he does all the heavy lifting for you so you can worry about more important things like what kind of wine pairs with your leftover pizza. But seriously, give him and his team a call at 702-850-2000. You won't regret it. So let me, let's let's summarize this. So Jason, before you go, if you'd be so kind and just repeat, because I think that's what resonated for me if I was a listener. I know I would have picked up on that statement. You just said budget for 20, 30% decrease in rents. Yeah. Just say that again. Yeah. I think you need to account that if, if things were to go down 20 or 30%, you know, in, in terms of rental income, would you be able to sustain that property? And, and honestly, even if you're running negative, like you can still run at a loss as long as you financially are able to sustain that loss because a loss in a real estate, I, I feel is, is almost always temporary, you know, as long as you can ride out the storm and the people that lose are the people that can't ride out the storm. Yeah. And then the people like us profit off of them not riding out the storm because then we get the deals. Right. He said it much better than me. That's why I wanted him to repeat that. <laughs> well said. So uh, I guess that'll, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, and Jason, I respect the shit out of you. Oh, thank you. I think you're a rock star. I love that you forced me to, to, to think, you know, a different way and creatively. Um, and uh, I think that's all I got for you. Yeah, I, I think that's what's important, you know, in, in more than just this discussion here, but in the world is we can have different views on something and we can have a conversation and sit down about it. And I can say a few things that you might say, you know what? Maybe that changes my mind a little bit. You might say some things because literally after I heard you talk about it, I went back and looked, well, if things were to go down 20 or 30%, would I be okay? And I'd be like, okay, well, I need to be a little bit more cautious, you know? And, and I think that's how the world needs to work is, you know, listen to people with opposite opinions and take away a little bit and we don't have to 100% agree, but we can still learn something from each other. Beautifully said. I'm going to end it with that because that was such a good thing. <laughs> good job, brother. Right. Thanks, man. Good chat. Appreciate you. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can also connect with us on social media or at galindogrouprealestate.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.